Hello and welcome to American Catholic History, sponsored by Beatrix Media, providing writing, digital marketing, website strategy and construction, and search engine optimization services. Visit BeatrixMedia.com. Experience your world communicated. I'm Noel Heaster Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. If you like American Catholic History, become a supporter at Locals or Patreon. We've got some great perks for supporters, including interviews, gifts, live discussions, and even items we pick up on our travels. For more, visit our website, AmericanCatholicHistory.org. Help us keep this going. Also, be sure to give us a five-star rating and a great review at Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. These help others to find us. Today, we're talking about our Blessed Mother and how in 1846, she was named Patroness of the United States under the title of Immaculate Conception. In a day and age when the life of the child in the womb from the moment of conception is a source of contention, this patronage really means so much. Yeah, you're not kidding. Not only because of the example it gives about the value of the child in the womb, but also because of the special graces that flow from Our Lady as patroness, and we need them. Yeah, we do. Now, we should clarify a few things here to make sure our listeners understand what we're talking about. First, what the Immaculate Conception is and what it is not. The Immaculate Conception is the belief that Mary, from the moment of her conception, was preserved from original sin. Right. This is not the teaching that Christ was conceived in Mary's womb without a human father. That's what happened at the Annunciation. The Immaculate Conception has to do with Mary's conception in the womb of her mother Anne, and Anne's husband, Joachim, was Mary's father through natural means. But, through a special grace of God, Mary was preserved from the stain of original sin. One additional point on this, it does not mean that Mary did not need a savior. Mary did not avoid original sin through her own merits. Rather, Mary was preserved from original sin by a special grace of God, saving her in light of the sacrifice that Jesus would make on the cross. Yeah, this sort of thing, applying effects of an action before the action is completed, is, of course, impossible for humans. We are subject to time and things being kind of linear in time. Well, very linear in time. Effects follow causes. But since God is outside of time, and since all of salvation history is present to him in one eternally present moment, God is able to do this sort of thing. And this is what we believe he did with the Blessed Mother. He applied the saving graces of Christ's death on the cross to Mary proactively. So Mary was free of original sin from the first moment of her life, and the reason was so that she would be prepared to be the new Ark of the Covenant, the new Eve, who would say yes to God when the first Eve had said no. Yeah, Catholics have believed that Mary was conceived without original sin from very early in the church's history, and there is a lot of material available to support this. We'll link to some from our episode page at AmericanCatholicHistory.org. This is becoming more of American Catholic theology, but uh, anyway... Uh, But the dogma of the Immaculate Conception was not formally defined and declared until 1854. And that timing will be significant as we look at the action of the bishops naming the Immaculate Conception the patroness of the USA. But more on that in a moment. 
So that's what the Immaculate Conception is. Now let's talk a bit about the history of devotion to Mary and the Immaculate Conception in the United States. This connection, interestingly, goes way back to the beginning of European colonization when Christopher Columbus came over in 1492. His flagship was named Santa Maria de la Concepcion or Saint Mary of the Conception. And one of the islands he landed on, he named La Concepcion. So, while Columbus himself never made it to the continental U.S., he relied on the patronage of the Immaculate Conception to aid and guide his voyage over here. So, Mary came with the first Europeans to make a splash in the New World, and it didn't take long for Mary to sort of let everyone know that she was here to stay. Nope. Just 39 years later, in 1531, when she appeared multiple times to Juan Diego on Tepeyac Hill, the apparition, venerated as Our Lady Guadalupe, became the most important apparition of Our Lady in the Americas. And, as Our Lady Guadalupe, Mary is the patroness of all of the Americas. So, Mary has demonstrated a tender concern for Christians here in the Americas since very early on. Catholic European immigrants and their first descendants continued to rely on her as the colonies became a republic, and the church established the Diocese of Baltimore in 1789. Until 1808, Baltimore was the only diocese in the United States, so it encompassed the whole country. The first Bishop of Baltimore, John Carroll, had a devotion to Our Lady. He was consecrated bishop on the Feast of the Assumption of Mary, August 15, 1791, and eventually he named the first Cathedral of Baltimore in honor of the Assumption. That's the beautiful church known nowadays as the Baltimore Basilica. We did an episode on the remarkable history of the Baltimore Basilica. Check it out. And we'll visit it while on pilgrimage in Maryland and Virginia. You can get updates about our pilgrimages on our website and by signing up for our newsletter. Check it out, AmericanCatholicHistory.org. Bishop Carroll wasted little time entrusting his new diocese to the care of the Blessed Mother under the title Immaculate Conception. In May of 1792, he issued his first pastoral letter to all priests and Catholics in his diocese, and in it he wrote... I shall only add this, my earnest request, that to the exercise of the sublimest virtues, faith, hope, and charity, you will join a fervent and well-regulated devotion to the Holy Mother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that you will place great confidence in her in all your necessities. Having chosen her, the special patroness of this diocese, you are placed, of course, under her powerful protection." And it becomes your duty to be careful to deserve its continuance by a zealous imitation of her virtues and a reliance on her motherly superintendence. Bishop Carroll died in 1815. By that point, there were four more dioceses, Boston, New York, Philadelphia, and Bardstown. That meant four more bishops, and Baltimore was now the Metropolitan Archdiocese. Eventually, as population grew nationwide and the Catholic population grew and spread with it, more dioceses were established. The bishops began to hold provincial councils in Baltimore, the first in 1829. These councils dealt with many issues facing the church in America, issues of evangelization, administration of the sacraments, handling church property in light of civil law, the suitability of different music to be used at mass, which, <laughs> wonderful topic there, how to govern the use of church funds, trusteeism, and many other topics. But in 1846, at the Sixth Provincial Council, the bishops took up the question of declaring Mary as the Immaculate Conception the patroness for the United States. 
The Archbishop of Baltimore at the time was Francis Kenrick. Kenrick was a well-respected theologian in his day, and he was a trusted advisor to Pope Pius IX on a few important matters. Among them was the importance of the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception. So adopting the Blessed Mother under this title as the patroness of the U.S. was a cause that he championed eagerly. Another champion of this cause was the highly influential Bishop of New York, John Hughes. He had a great devotion to Our Lady and to her title of Immaculate Conception, and he was very interested in seeing her named our patroness under this title. Well, with the combined influence of the congenial and scholarly Archbishop Kenrick, plus the insistent and somewhat pugnacious Bishop Hughes, the case was made. To be honest, there wasn't likely much resistance, but any that there may have been really had no chance. And finally, on May 13, 1846, the resolution was adopted by a unanimous vote. Following the council, the bishops issued a pastoral letter in which they wrote, We take this occasion to communicate to you the determination unanimously adopted by us to place ourselves and all entrusted to our charge throughout the United States under the special patronage of the Holy Mother of God, whose immaculate conception is venerated by the piety of the faithful throughout the Catholic Church. By the aid of her prayers, we entertain the confident hope that we will be strengthened to perform the arduous duties of our ministry and that you will be enabled to practice the sublime virtues of which her life presents the most perfect example. The resolution was forwarded to Rome for approval, and in 1847 they received back confirmation from the Congregation for the Propagation of the Faith. It read, our Holy Father, Pius IX, most willingly confirmed the wishes of the Council that has selected the Blessed Virgin, conceived without sin, as the patroness of the Church in the United States of America. Then, eight years after the bishops of the United States declared the Immaculate Conception the patroness of the U.S., Pope Pius IX solemnly declared that the Blessed Virgin Mary... In the first instance of her conception by a singular privilege and grace granted by God in view of the merits of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the human race, was preserved exempt from all stain of original sin. A number of U.S. bishops, including Francis Kenrick and John Hughes, who by this point was the Archbishop of the newly elevated Archdiocese of New York, were in attendance at that august occasion. Some even suggest that Pope Pius IX was spurred to finally make the solemn declaration by the action of the U.S. bishops. I mean, he likely would have done it at some point anyhow, but with the enthusiastic support of U.S. bishops and their energetic promotion of this devotion, he had a bit of a wave of interest to ride to make it so. Predictably, Protestants seized on the papal action as proof that Catholics deified and worshipped Mary. But of course, if the definition states that God preserved her from original sin— then that means, well, as a human being, she was subject to original sin and God had to specifically intervene to prevent her being stained by original sin. So that means that she wasn't able to preserve herself from original sin and more fundamentally that she had a beginning, a time before her conception. Since one of the attributes of God is that he had no beginning or has no beginning, then the fact that we claim Mary was conceived without original sin makes it impossible for her to be God at all. Right. So very clear. And that's that. Of course. Yeah. 
And to clarify another point, this doesn't mean that the Church did not believe that Mary was conceived without sin before December 8, 1854. The Church did believe it, but it wasn't a defined article of faith. Catholics could, in good conscience, question it or its importance in the economy of salvation. The effect of the Solemn Declaration was to make it a formal and defined part of the faith. So now, Catholics must believe it. And if they are interested in learning more about that amazing privilege that God granted to Mary, they will more intimately understand God's incredible love for all of humanity. Right, and the importance he places on each and every person from the first moment of their conception. Exactly. The immediate effect of the dogmatic declaration among Catholics was a resurgence of devotion to the Blessed Mother. Archbishop Hughes was so struck by the sublimity of the newly defined doctrine that he began construction on a new church dedicated to the Immaculate Conception the very next year. This was the first church in the world to be dedicated to the Immaculate Conception. Since that time, a great many U.S. churches, shrines, and cathedrals have been named in honor of the Immaculate Conception. I mean, I'd actually be shocked if there is a a diocese in this country without at least one church or shrine named in honor of the Immaculate Conception. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Among cathedrals, the current list includes Portland in Maine, Peoria and Springfield in Illinois, Denver in Colorado, Brownsville and Tyler in Texas, Fort Wayne and Lafayette in Indiana, Wichita in Kansas, Memphis, Tennessee, Mobile, Alabama, Lake Charles, Louisiana, Albany and Syracuse in New York, Camden, New Jersey, Portland, Oregon, Kansas City, Missouri, Crookston, Minnesota, and Las Cruces, New Mexico. It is by far the most common name for cathedrals in the U.S. Many others are dedicated to Mary, and there are many dedicated to St. Peter, St. Paul, St. Patrick, and other saints, but the single most common title for cathedrals is Immaculate Conception, and I think that's fitting. And, of course, the major church in Washington, D.C., the massive shrine built by the U.S. bishops, is the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception. It is not the Cathedral of Washington, that is St. Matthew on Rhode Island Avenue, but the Basilica is the largest Catholic church in North America and one of the largest in the world. We'll do an entire episode on the history of that amazing structure, but just for starters, the idea for it came from the rector of the Catholic University of America, Bishop Thomas Shahan. He believed that since the United States was dedicated and consecrated under the protection of the Immaculate Conception, a suitably impressive shrine to Our Lady under that title ought to stand in the nation's capital. So he proposed the idea in an audience with Pope Pius X, who heartily approved of it. And not only did he approve, but he made a contribution of $400 on the spot. That would be more than $11,000 today. Work on it began in 1920, and the structure of the main upper church wasn't completed until 1959. Today, if you visit the crypt level of the shrine, you can visit Bishop Shahan's tomb, and right next to it is a chapel dedicated to Pope St. Pius X. So, as you can see, Mary as the Immaculate Conception has played a huge role in the history of the Americas and in the history of the United States in particular. She is our loving mother, the cause of our joy, and the help of Christians. She is the beloved of the Holy Spirit and the mother of our Savior, who cannot deny her anything. What a powerful intercessor she is before the throne of God. So let us invoke her intercession and her aid whenever we face trials or need guidance as a nation. 
Because from the beginning, the Immaculate Conception has been there for us. O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. This has been American Catholic History, sponsored by Beatrix Media. If you enjoy American Catholic History, become a supporter on Locals or Patreon. Get information about both and the perks of being a supporter at AmericanCatholicHistory.org support. Also on our website, sign up for our newsletter, learn more about the Immaculate Conception Patroness of the United States, see our upcoming pilgrimages, and find other episodes. And be sure to check out our sponsor, Beatrix Media, providing writing, digital marketing, website strategy and construction, and search engine optimization services. Visit BeatrixMedia.com. Experience your world communicated. We love getting your feedback and suggestions for episodes. You can email us at feedback at AmericanCatholicHistory.org. Find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash AmericanCatholicHistory, on Instagram at ACH underscore podcast, or follow us on Twitter at ACH1513. I'm Noel Heaster Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Thank you once again for joining us on American Catholic History, sponsored by Beatrix Media. You've got some great perks for supporters, including interviews, live gifts, or just just gifts, <laughs> not live gifts. They're alive. <laughs> we send you, we send you a squirrel in the mail. <laughs> it's really angry when it arrives. <laughs> <laughs> oh.